Hello and welcome to the first edition of the Codcast Extra Time of the 2019-20 season. I'm Paul Connolly and joined by Liam Ryder. How are you doing, Liam? I'm not doing too bad, Paul. Yourself? Yeah, not too bad, thank you. Of course, we're uh, we're sat in Turnbull's bar. It's probably why you can hear the echo. We really do need to get some uh, some soundproofing form of some description for these uh, for these gigs. But yeah, we were uh, hoping to have more of us in uh, in tour this evening. But you know, it's just us two, yep, so we'll. We'll make of it what we can and we'll uh, kick off, obviously, with uh, Blues Views and go back through pre-season. Um, Liam, you, your thoughts on pre-season hold? It's been very sort of uh, hit and miss, hasn't it? Certainly has. I mean, we had a, a flying start with 10 goals in the first two games. Um, however, I think, well, I wasn't at the Gisborough game, but looking at the results of that one, the fact we conceded three, you know, no disrespect to Gisborough, but a team such as them, that was sort of leaving me thinking, well there's something that's not quite right at the back and then you know we saw after that when we went to Stockton lost 3-0 there and we just seemed to have a spell of, and then lost 3-0 at Sunderland too you know they're a, they're a good exciting young team Middlesbrough was impressed with the performance there and then Mask it was sort of come back down to earth but then I think overall it's been a useful learning exercise for any, more than anything and hopefully Chris and the lads were able to yeah. learn from they'll probably learn more from those negative results they got in pre-season yeah I mean um, obviously looking at that I'll uh, just pick up on one point that you made there was the Gisborough Town match conceding those three goals and the sort of defensive element that you mentioned in there I mean for me personally that was sort of a little bit of a case of they were still sort of learning the system again the sort of three at the back the two wing backs I know there was obviously two new wing backs wasn't there in that game in terms of Brad Mills and Aaron Weymouth on the other side so I think there was maybe a little bit of that, but there certainly was gaps that, when you look at the Pickering game compared to that one, those gaps did seem to be closing. Yes, yeah, certainly, and I'm sure that Chris has been telling that, you know, this is that final pre-season game pretty much needs to be as perfect as you can get it, really, because you've got the big kickoff coming up this Saturday, and, you know, you need to be prepared for that, so hopefully they'll be able to learn from that, and I think it, they showed on Saturday that they can improve from that, and... They did look a lot more solid. There were a few nervy moments where I think early on when had to clear the ball off the line. But other than that, Whitby never looked like they were going to give a, a cheap goal away at any point. No, absolutely. And um, I mean, obviously, yeah, you mentioned the word a few nervy moments. And I think that's only natural, isn't it, really? When you look across any game, you, you're going to have them unless you're you know, winning the game 10-0 and not letting the opposition have a, have a shot on goal. But I think... Obviously, one thing that's going to be a massive difference there, and no disrespect to Jack Norton because he's an excellent goalkeeper, but having Shane Bland back in there is is a player that can win you extra points in this league. Yes, certainly, and his his distribution more than anything. You know, he can quickly get the team moving from one end of the pitch to the other. Um, he's a goalkeeper that he often fills you a lot of hope when you've got him behind you, and you know he doesn't. Most of the time, he's very reliable for us, and I won't curse him here by saying that. But uh, <laughs> he's going to drop a clanger now yeah. on Saturday. No, um, <laughs> no, Blandy, uh, you're not. Come on, believe. Um, <laughs> you no, know, he's just one of those goalkeepers that he can make things happen, and you know, quickly, as I mentioned, get you up the other end. So if you're under a lot of pressure, but you've got the, you know, you've got your quick attackers up yeah. there, then get the ball into them, and hopefully, they can cause a few problems yeah. or start it from the back. Yeah, definitely. I think that's why Chris Hardy is opting to sort of utilise this three defenders and wing-back system. Because of Bland's distribution, if you can put it onto the wing-back every single time, that wing-back, if it's uh, Aaron Wearmouth, he's going to run at people. He looks clumsy, but we know and we've seen over pre-season how good he is at getting past players and at running at players. 
that's something Whitby haven't really properly had since Callum Martin was at right wing back. I don't think um, I don't think we had that in Dan McWilliams because he was a bit of a different type of player. He was slightly more defensive, whereas Callum was more of a winger. Um, so it's nice to have that back in the side where you've got someone that can run at players because we've lacked that since probably since Junior Mondal left the football club. I think we've lacked that player that's going to run, have that bit of pace and, and scare scare fullbacks because essentially that is what his job is to do on the attacking front is to get at players and cause problems, get those balls into the penalty area and supply Brad Fuse to Matty Time and with those crosses on the other side, Brad Mills, we've seen he's very different in the respect that he gives you another option for getting the ball in the penalty area. He likes to cross the ball from deep. That was something that was obviously very evident against Gisborough Town and created problems and it caused obviously a goal from Matty Time and putting it in at the back post. So I think that sort of balance on the wing backs, if that ball can get into them, is going to be really beneficial for Whitby. Yeah, definitely. And um, I've been impressed with Aaron Wilmar throughout pre season and you saw him. Saturday, I mentioned it in commentary, but the amount of times he was getting fouled, but that's a lot of the time mm. because he's getting forward and he's a nightmare for yeah. the opposition defenders, which is what you want in this formation. And you know, Brad Mills mentioned with good going mm. forwards, but I think throughout pre season, we'll have often it's sort of been that side where we look like we have been exposed a few times. But I think if you've got that, if you've got the three centre halves, you know, worst case scenario, they can go off across and cover. Say if you've got Kieran Waleji at you know, the right centre back. He's played a right back before. He'll be able to get across and cover whilst Brad Mills is, you know, trying to get back. It, it's certainly exciting football if you get it right. So we saw that a few seasons back when we played the wing back. So effective it can be. So hopefully more of the same this season. And what's good about those positions, I feel, is um, you look across the squad, but in the wing back positions, you've got an option to change things up. You can change, you know, naturally into that four. So if you look at, obviously, your attacking options being Weirmouth and Mills, you flip that round and make it into a four, your defensive options there, who aren't going to be getting forward as much, who aren't going to be providing those balls into the penalty area like they would be if they were operating as a wing-back. You've got Jasm Shuka, who's a very good defender, and you've got Ben Kitchen, again, who's a very good defender. So I think what Chris Hardy's done well there is he's managed to sort of turn that position into a very, uh, very versatile one, and you can change it quickly in a game by making a sub or by just changing the personnel from a very attacking side into a very defensive one. Yeah, and you need to have that balance as well because sometimes you know teams are going to find you out eventually if you go in. You know, if you look at it, if you've got the same method of trying to attack every time, well, eventually they're gonna they're gonna sush you out. Say if a team works out that we've got two win backs, they like to get forwards, and they work that out, they're gonna just be targeting them. So if you have that option to change it up and change your style and it's another polish to have because yeah. mentioned about Ben Kitch you know he's more of a, a right back rather than yeah. a right wing back he's you know I spoke to him this week and he's not going he's not one of those players that's going he, he says he's not used to getting forward yeah. as such but that's something that in a right wing back yeah. role it's quite demanding position and, and I think that's very similar again in the case of Jasm Shuka we saw last season he operated as a wing back he he always sort of exercised that caution going forward yeah. and I think that's something that we're going to see with Ben Kitchen as well. I'm not doubting that he does have qualities and if he does get forward he'll put a decent ball in the box. But that essentially isn't going to be his role in the side. His role will be to come in when Whitby maybe are on the back foot or maybe try to shut a game out and just form that back four and keep a solid back four. Yeah, definitely. You know, As you mentioned, he's more a defensive player rather than getting forward. I mean, I think it was... We played Billingham Sinfone. I think he did get 
an assist in that game mm. at right wing back, but it was a ball from deep. It wasn't exactly you wouldn't say it was like on the edge of the air or anything. It was more a deep cross in that you know managed to get on to. I think it was Matthew Timon, I think. I think it was his head he got on to. That's the sort of ball he's going to play in. And looking at that, it's almost like he's not quite used to being so attacking, which maybe that's something that can develop. But it's as you know I mentioned before, it's good to have those options to try and close games out. It's might your tactics because. There's nothing worse than conceding a late goal because no. you've just gone the same style. Sometimes you do have to change it. It might not be pretty, but you've got to do what's needed to yeah. try and get three points or a draw if that's what you're after. Indeed, yeah. And um, obviously looking across a couple more of those games that we mentioned then for pre-season, um, Mask United is one that we'll pick out as the real sort of game that it didn't quite happen for Whitby, did it? Whitby just seemed to lack that little bit of spark. They lacked that bit of sort of fight in the game it seemed like and I think that was something Chris Hardy mentioned as it being a game that would trip us up and ultimately it did. And that was a bit of a, a strange game really, I can't really think of any chance, I think the only one we had was probably when the ball just sort of seemed to get away from Matthew Tymon and then ironically Masco at the other end and score straight away it was it was a frustrating game to watch, I mean thankfully it was only a friendly so there's nothing up for grabs but you think if that was a league game you'd be really concerned by that but um, you know, they seemed to respond well against Pickering, that was that was the performance we were after but we always thought that then a mask would be a tough game. There's a lot of players there that we know they've got quality. But I was just disappointed by this in the the performance that Whitby did put in. It didn't really fill you with much hope at all, other than the one chance that probably possibly should have ended up in the back of the net, really. I think what it was about that game that was so disappointing is just the lack of chances that Whitby created. And we, I mean, we sort of spoke about this on the way back and we've spoken about it at length with other people. That game, Whitby didn't create a chance in the entire first half. They didn't get the ball in the final third for the most part in the entire first half. The only time things changed was when Matty Timon came on. He started to ask questions of the defenders. He started to ask questions of Kev Burgess. He sort of he knew what he was doing. He's putting a bit of pressure on them, putting a bit of pressure on Jack Norton. And in the end, I think it was only one or two shots on goal that we had. One of them was from outside the box, but it was from Matty. Another one inside the penalty area from Matty. It just seemed that he was the only one that seemed to get Whitby going that day. Yeah, we know. Well, we all know what Matt is capable yeah. of. He's, he is generally a nuisance to away team. Well, away teams, well, opposition teams. You know, just because of his his physical presence up there. And you know, if, a lot of the time you might see him starting probably. But if he comes off the bench, he'd be. You can you can sort of imagine him as a good impact player because of sort of his stature, if you mm. like. I mean. If defenders aren't used to coming up against someone like him, then it, you know he is a real nuisance, and there's the reason why he's what was he in the one of the best. Yeah, he was in the top fifty. Yeah. yeah, in the top fifty. So there's a reason he's in there, and it's because he's you know he's proven at the level, and if he's got the right players in around him, he can be a really effective player, even if he's not the one that's actually scoring them. He's going to be involved in goals if he's got the right players around him. Yeah, we'll come back to that point here, um, and mention the Stockton game as well. And the point that I'm coming back to is ex-players within squads that were facing in pre-season. The Stockton game, in general, was just a disaster from start to finish. It was. It got off to a nightmare start. I mean, former Blue, James Risborough, put in a, a good ball in and that eventually got turned home. And then the thing that interested me was the way it seemed to be Mikey Roberts. Every time there was a forwards ball, he was on it and he was causing real mm. problems. And for whatever reason, as his spell at Whitby came to an end for... It just didn't quite work yeah. for whatever reason, but it's like you look at that and you think this is a player that Whitby once had. A, you know, was yeah. scoring when well, that's a few seasons ago when he was scoring for fun, and it's 
you know, it's all, it's frustrating, especially yeah. when you think it's former players that are causing all these problems, and yeah. it's like, well, what would happen if we had them? But that Stockton game, it was, it was concerning. Yeah. <laughs> Certainly was, and that point, I thought, is just when, you know, sort of, after two comfortable wins, that was the first real reality check for Whitby. Mm. I think I think to be honest, that was the the first test for Whitby in terms of the opposition was stepped up a gear, and it's something that Chris Harley's mentioned quite a lot over pre-season. He's talked about the opposition stepping up with each game. Obviously, you know you go from Billingham Synthonia, which was a routine win, to Gisborough, who in the end was a routine win. I know it was six-three, and the scoreline sort of maybe suggests otherwise, but. At the end of the day, Whitby scored six goals. Gisborough had that attacking threat about them and we possibly let them have that little bit more of an attacking threat than we should have done. And then we came to Stockton and we just completely crashed. And you're right, it was concerning. And on the back of that, we went Sunderland and we lost 3-0. And it makes you think, is there an issue here? I think, I think the um, thing of the uh, Sunderland game, though, is that that was a much-improved performance. Yeah. It was just... In the end, their legs yeah. that helped because you know there was you nil know, at half time. Oh, yeah, that was nowhere yeah. near a free deal game. No, absolutely not. And um, we said on on the commentary that it wasn't that, but obviously it's the nature of conceding three goals. It you don't want to do that, but I think fitness told. I think obviously the quality in the end told. But um, then going on from there, it sort of pre-season got a bit disjointed because we missed a weekend where we were meant to be playing Darlington. And that never happened. And then we were going to the Darlington game on the Tuesday. And then that never happened because of all these injuries yeah. that had, had piled up miraculously at Darlington. Um, so then obviously we went to the Middlesbrough game. And that was the sort of game where you start to think, yeah, OK, there's qualities here. There's qualities starting to show through again, which we saw in the first two games in different aspects of them. But that was probably as complete a whip performance as we saw over pre-season. Yeah, I think the Middlesbrough game... If you just take take away that defensive error that gave Middlesbrough an equaliser, Whitby win that because yeah. you just think Shane Bland. The only thing he had, to, all the saves were straight at him. You know, you only had to get two strong hands around it easy, and it's just one of those games. You think, you know, Whitby first half they soaked up a lot of pressure, which we sort of expected because again another young side that you know out to prove a point, and you know Whitby took the lead. But I think you know first half we didn't create a lot, but second half we came out the blocks a bit quicker, mm. got chances away and in the end great finish from our way mouth yeah. just to curl it into the sort of middle of the go yeah. go if you like. But um it's a good finish, nice and tidy and as I say and I think we'd be win that if they just keep the concentration at the back that's a one 0 win yeah, there. Definitely and that's that's obviously the key thing about pre season. Um you don't really like to read too much into it because you know we've seen us have brilliant pre seasons then be in a relegation battle. But then we've also seen us have terrible pre seasons and do well, so you never really quite know what's going to be uh, what's going to be coming forward on that first day. So then, moving on from that game, um, we've covered mask and then go on to the Pickering game. And again, it was sort of that sort of those two good performances sort of bookended that mask game, didn't they? Yeah, definitely. It was. Um, I mean, the Pickering game I mentioned earlier, we started off a bit nervy. I don't know if it was sort of the feeling of. I mean, it's a. It wasn't ideal circumstances. Of course, it was the first home game at last. Yeah. But then, of course, the uh, the tricky situation of the you know having to be behind closed doors that possibly didn't help because mm. you know the, everyone was looking forward to playing in front of you know our fans yeah. again. Well, I think I think what the thing there is when you haven't had a home game over pre-season, at some point you do want to get in front of your own fans, and 
that's sort of part of the preparation for the season. Every club generally will have one home pre-season game. Um, and I think that is an important part of the preparation for any team. Because I think it's a psychological thing of, right, you get in front of your own fans and you want to show them this is what we're about this season. We've not really had that chance no. and the first chance is going to be on Saturday when we play Whitten Albion. So it's going to be interesting to see how Whitby sort of react to that situation, having fans in front of them again, compared to last week where you're playing a game which is almost a training match. Yeah, well, it's, it's a strange one because you think, well, if the fans are in then there's more pressure on you because everyone's you know looking mm. at you, they're, they're expecting results and they're looking at Pickering game and... Obviously, they've seen the goals. They've been published, so it's kind of like, well, look at that. You think it's a good performance, but we didn't see the full the full game for ourselves, and it is quite a difficult one. But I think, from the players' point of view on Saturday, they've just got to try and do the best they can. Obviously, this is their chance to now play at home in front of a crowd. Yeah. It's just uh, obviously not ideal circumstances. You know, look at it. Three separate dates that might have home games, and there's two of them being called off, and then yeah. the final one not going ahead as planned. So, but I think Saturday is going to be a, a key one, and that is the players' chance. They've really got to come out and show what they are yeah. open to do this season. Definitely, I think it's a case of coming out fighting, and we'll we'll talk obviously a lot more about that Whitney Albion game a bit later on in the show. But all in all, of a pre-season, how how would you rate it? Because I mean, obviously, it's had its ups and downs. It's been uh, been very topsy turvy in terms of the results, but all in all, there has been some very good signs. Yeah, they have, and you know, look at the the three victories. They've all been well by minimum three goal margin in them all. So, always have had the defeats as well. But um, it's sort of you look at the results. You know, it pretty much tells its own story. Three defeats, three victories, a draw. So it's kind of like well, we've experienced sort of what you'd think would be the good and bad of what could be to come this season. It hasn't been a disaster, you know, certainly. And I think Chris has mentioned before that his team have learnt things. And they're going to that Pickering game. It just looks like the, the the issues had been, you know, tied up. And it's pretty much... It was looking almost as if, you know, they have reacted to the disappointments of pre-season. So, yeah, obviously that was our recap of pre-season in Blues View. And now uh, move on now to In the Middle and... Talk a little bit about the summer happenings, what's going on at the uh, Tobar Express Stadium at the Turnbull Ground. Um, but first of all, we'll just have a chat about the new players. And uh, we mentioned, obviously, pre-season there and spoken about that and the performances, that sort of thing. Obviously, a number of new faces in the squad and we heard Lee Bullock talk about it at the AGM. It seems as though there's a different feel around it compared to the back end of last season. Yes, certainly. Um, the players at Boston, obviously, have done things different this summer mm. with out the open trials, just had a trialist match instead. Um, but the players that have been bought in, um, I've been impressed with pretty much all of them so far. The things that they've bought to the team, the new qualities, you know, and it is important that, because last season, especially where we ended, we kind of need to just erase that memory. And sometimes you think, if you've got fresh faces, it's almost like, as much as you've got a lot of players that were still here, it's almost a fresh start yeah. for them, if you like. But I think overall, I've been quite impressed with how the new players have settled yeah. in so far. The back end of last season, Liam, was, was one of those where it didn't it didn't feel like there was much about it. It just felt sort of, it felt lethargic. It, I don't want to say it felt like people couldn't be bothered, because I know that wouldn't be the case, but it just felt like there was there was very little there, there was no signs, there was no excitement. Um, and I suppose that does happen towards the end of the season, and it almost flips back into a pre-season sort of thing. But I think at that point, that was where Chris Hardy learned 
the most about his team last season. It may be exposed why there was so much inconsistency in the side over the course of last season. I don't know what you think on that one, yeah, Liam. It was a it was a strange one. Um, last season that w- that was the main problem. Mm. You know, we just couldn't. It took. I think we managed to string yeah. what two wins. We won the first two games, won two in mm. October. Then it was like we eventually won three in a row in April. Mm. But you know, other than that, it's kind of like there wasn't a lot there to. You know, it just consistency was a problem. And mm. I can towards the end of the season when we did sort of take a foot off the gas but I can understand it because when you're a mid-table team you know you're not going to go down you're not you have no chance of trouble in the playoff position just you know you know you've got an offer to play for but at the same time you're playing for your future at the club and we know that basically the last month of last season was you know a needless sending off at Lancaster and that that kind of summed up in a way it was frustration but um, again it's just it was a strange thing just to it it was a frustrating yeah. end. We're no, there's no getting away from that. And but I think from Chris's point of view and our point of view, we want to see the team at least still going for yeah. it. And you know, as I just mentioned, playing for their futures. Yeah. yeah, I think it almost had that feel of people just wanted the season over with because I think Whitby was so inconsistent over the season. It it's like it it's almost you're not doing badly. You're not in a relegation battle, but you're not in battle to get in the playoffs or a battle to win the division so it's almost like there isn't an excitement level there there isn't something for the fans to get behind and I mean being mid-table isn't a bad thing and I would take mid-table all day long every season um, because obviously we've been in those relegation battles and I'll be quite honest with you it does absolutely no good for my health or the health of anyone at the football club I don't think but yeah it just it did feel that sort of bit of lethargy about it and that bit of flatness and it's one of those I think that's why a number of players were um, that's why a number of players were let go at the end of last season because it just they weren't perhaps inspiring anything within the side no um, um, I mean one thing I would say about last season is it was a relief because the season before wasn't comfortable at times no. I mean eventually managed to you know, secure safety a few games to go but it it's just a relief not to be looking over your shoulder most of the time. If anything, there were times where we were sort of looking up a bit, thinking, well, if we get a good run together, we you know, we could be challenging those playoff positions. So I think it was just a relief more than anything. That's probably the main thing to take from last season, sort of consolidation, but now we need to be you know, trying to push on again, I think. Yeah, definitely. I think, I think the game that summed all of that up, probably towards the back end of last season, and you mentioned Lancaster as one on the final day, but I think the one that, that sort of rang the death knell for two or three players was Witten Albion. Mm. I think that performance was nothing short of horrific at times. Yeah, um, it was painful. There were potentially game-changing moments that you could say, well, that was something that, if that hadn't have happened, sort of a sliding doors moment, if the penalty hadn't have been given, which it should never have been because Dan Rowe won the ball. And then you um, had uh, Greg Rutherford's header yeah. as well. And, yeah, you mentioned there Greg Rutherford's header going over the line but not being given. Um, I think that's sort of the sliding doors moment that you think, well, if that had happened, then we're in a different position in that match and potentially in in the second half we build on that. But, again, I I just think it was a game where nothing happened for Whitby. No chances were created. Nothing got into Fuston. Nothing really got into Rutherford. The ball wasn't sticking, and just every single time it was turning back over, and Whitby were on the back foot, and that was just sort of the story 
of the back end of last season. So, obviously, Chris has cleared five or six out of the back of that, brought five or six in. And I think, really, the names that we're looking at now, we've got some real quality in there. Matty Dixon, of course, won promotion from this division, part of that Scarborough side last season that went well for a good half of the season. Um and we'll, we'll, like to, we'll like to talk more about the second half of it for yeah. them, but um, yeah, obviously, yeah, <laughs> definitely. Uh, Matty Dixon, obviously, there we mentioned. Brad Mills, an exciting young player. Uh, Corey Roper, another exciting young player who's, you know, proven himself at the level below. Can he make the step up? Um, Aaron Wearmouth, who we know has played at the level above, comfortably a player that can hold his own in this division. Uh, ben Kitchen, obviously, an exciting one, and then there's Liam Cook as well that's going to be a player that will be in and out, probably, I'd have thought, and filling a bench spot. And then the other one, which is really positive from a Whitby point of view, is Luke Bythewood returning. Yeah, we've uh, seen what he's capable yeah. of, obviously. He's versatile as well. I mean, we had that strange game in the, the North Riding Senior Cup when I was looking at the team, she was like, he's up front here, and then next thing you know, scores a hat-trick. But, um, yeah. you know, at centre-back, he looks comfortable. He's, he's commanding sometimes, yeah. you think, perhaps a bit too commanding, the way he's trying <laughs> to tell his teammates what to do. But um, I think it's a good body to have mm. back in. You need yeah. someone that, you know, is strong, knows the league, yeah. and, you know, is, is quite easy vocal, which I yeah. think is going to help. You want your centre-back to be, you know, trying to, but sometimes you've got to make sure you don't attack too far, but I think it's a welcome addition to have back at the club and hopefully he can stay yeah. fit for this time. Yeah, fingers crossed, and that's that's obviously the big thing is if he can stay fit. Um, I know he's been working on it, so fingers crossed he'll, uh, he'll prove that he is fit enough to get back to this level. But I think what the big thing about Luke is, and it's not actually a plain thing in this respect in terms of having him back at the club, it's in the dressing room, because you mentioned there he is commanding, he is a leader, he's a winner, but also he's he's got a bit of crack about him. He's got a bit of banter about him. And I think they're the sort of players that you do need them in the dressing room because he's not one that's going to be a disruptive influence with how he is and his banter sort of thing. But he's going to be there. He'll have a crack with the lads. He'll have a crack with the young lads. And obviously his old teammates, Dan Dixon, those sort of things. And I think that brings a bit of positive energy to the uh, to the dressing room, doesn't it? It definitely does. And you mentioned about characters. We've got quite a few of those, I mm. think, this season. Um, obviously... Shane Bland coming back as well. He's another one of those. But, you know, it's trying to get that balance in the dressing. You, you do want your people that are solely focused on the football. At the same time, you, you know, you want it to be a happy camp. And sometimes if people take it too seriously, it almost feels like, well, it's going to be... It might not work because it's just yeah. everyone's sort of... Hasn't well, got the positive yeah. attitude. But I think if you've got characters like that around, it's certainly good for the team and the morale of the yeah. at the club, really. Obviously, looking at that, then um, we can be very happy about the signings, the players that Chris Hardy's brought in, um, and we've sort of spoken about the roles that Weymouth will play, Mills will play, and uh, Ben Kitchen will play. But one that we need to look at here is what's going to be an interesting midfield battle over the season, because obviously you would think nine times out of ten, Adam Gell's your first name on the team sheet as Dale's a player. Dale's going to be there, isn't yeah. he? He's club captain. And obviously, well. Dale's going to be in there. So weighing up the pros and cons of um, Corey Roper and Matty Dixon in the middle of the park, um, it's, I think it's going to be a really interesting battle, isn't it? It is, and another name I've mentioned there is, look at the Pickering game, Dan Rowe playing midfield as well, and he's someone yeah. that's shown he's capable of playing there as well, and he's a good, he's a good sort of player to have yeah. him just sitting in front of the, the back three, if you like. It, it's an interesting one, because 
And I think with Kyle Roper, he's just had it unfortunate with his injury pitch at Middlesbrough. He hasn't really had the chance to show perhaps what he what he really can do and is capable of. It's um, you know, it's quite an interesting midfield battle, but I think a lot of teams will say this, that competition's only going to be good for the team, really. And mm. players often thrive off that because they know if they make a mistake, then chances yeah. are they could get taken out of the yeah. start of the next game. Yeah, and I think that's, that's obviously important. That competition for places is something that Chris Hardy's been... Wanting to uh, wanting to encourage and get within the squad, so I think it's good that he's managed to do that. But another positive here is, and this is one for Chris more than anything, is the players that he's brought in. There's a lot of versatility now in the squad, so every every position has two or three hmm. that aren't maybe naturally in that position but can play in there. Yeah, and um, you know, again, we mentioned it earlier about different types of game where sometimes you might want different players. Slotting in different positions, you think, for example, left wing back. If it's a team that you really want to go at, yeah. then Arrow Wheelmouth's your first choice, yeah. really. But then, you know, if you're expecting a really tough game against, you know, whoever's top of the table, for example, then perhaps someone like Jasim Shuka, yeah. who is more defensive minded, you know, maybe he's the sort of player to fill in there. That's, yeah. you know, that's just an example. But yeah. there's, it's good to have, and, you know, versatility, because yeah. over the course of the season, we're going to get injuries, and players will have to fill in. So yeah. if we've got players like that, yeah. Then I think again it's another positive for Chris and the team go forwards. In terms of then the uh, the versatility, and you look at the players in the squad, um, we could argue that Dan Dixon can play goal and uh, centre half. Looking at the Fishburne trial match, um, <laughs> it isn't going to happen. By the way, don't don't worry yourselves. And Dan, if you're listening, you aren't going to get in at centre half, so just drop it. But uh, looking at it, then Luke Bythewick can operate at centre half. Well, to be fair, I think he's played everywhere, but right back for Chris Hardy at some point in his career because um, obviously he was at Gisborough with him um, no I think it's everywhere but goal possibly I'm not sure I think he had a shocker at right back but it's something along those lines Jasm Shuka can well he chiefly operates at left back can fill in at centre half he can go into the middle of the park and then look around the squad as well Wearmouth left back but he can play up front up front or he can play on the wing uh, Brad Mills right back or centre midfield so there's definitely a lot of options there, and obviously you mentioned Dan Rowe as well, centre-half and centre-midfield. So there's options there for Chris to change things up if he needs to, to fill somebody in if there's suspension or injury. So I think that's uh, that's only positive. So we'll move on to one of the negatives here is um, obviously so early in pre-season, Callum Patton getting injured. Yeah, it is a, a pain. I think it's... You look at it, it's almost like, has he come back too soon? Because it's almost like a recurring injury that he's picked up again. You know, and he's, his season's basically mm. over already. What, reckons six months, um, roughly, is going off? We're not sure what's going to happen now. He could be fit again by November uh, without the operation, Fingers is what crossed. he said to me. But obviously, we don't know what the situation will be. No. And that's, that's one, obviously, for us to discuss more at length with Chris Hardy nice. when we speak to him. I think with a pattern, especially with a back injury, it's one of those you, you really can't yeah. rush those. Can you can't, you can't afford to it. obviously keep keep the player in there. But I think what is disappointing here is we know what qualities that Callum has and what he will bring to the side if he was in there. Yeah, definitely. And again, another midfield option. It seems to be a, a theme here. A lot of midfield players in there that are players that are capable of playing in there. And he's one of those players that... He has, well, last season he had a blistering start. He didn't score a lot, but when he does score, yeah. it's often a, a screamer yeah. from somewhere. And that's the sort of goal 
that you need in a game where you know you need to get an equaliser yeah. or it's nil nil a few minutes ago. Yeah, if you need to break a deadlock, isn't it? You need something. They're the sort of games where you need something from nothing. Um, your nil nils where it's sort of dragging on. Some and teams, if say if it's a team that you know down the bottom and the mm. table, they might just think right. If we just defend, go for the clean yeah. sheets and see if we can nick something, well, it's not going to be hard to try and play balls in because they're just yeah. going to get them away all the time. But if you've got someone that's got you know, the outstanding in them, then the goalkeeper or the defence can't do anything about it. Yeah, yeah definitely. So uh, moving on from obviously new signings and Cal Patton's injury and uh, playing-wise off the field, it, uh, it feels like it's been a really positive summer, Liam, because you look at the sponsorship and the new sponsorship that's coming in now to the football club, you're looking at the club shops being sponsored. You know, the, the shed's going to be sponsored. And, I mean, the big one, obviously, is the ground sponsorship. Yeah, and it is, you know, people may not be agree with it, but at the end of the day, it it's it's money for the club. Yeah. Money, at, you know, we were talking about this earlier, the money that the club just yeah. haven't had in the past. Yeah. And it's a welcome boost, you know, because yeah. Whitby Town, everyone said, oh, well, you know, we're punching above our weight where we are. Well, but we want to stay here. We don't, yeah. you know... We're optimistic club, and if the more money we've got coming in, the the better, really. Yeah. And it seems like they're going to help them in the future. And yeah. I've been impressed with how many people are giving generously to things yeah. like the. We've obviously got sponsorship as well, like the 1926 yeah. club, where you know people are putting in money. And that, again, that's that's improving the squad. And I think looking at the squad, it, it it's probably one of the best squads I've had yeah. in recent years, really. So, and that's probably come because of the money that's yeah. being made by the club. But sponsorship yeah. added on top of that, and I think financially as well, it's all looking good. We've got sponsors in, and then you've got a few big games to look forward yeah. to this season. As well, and you know, gate money that's going to improve with yeah. the types of team we've got this season. Yeah, I think that's um, I think that's obviously a big positive, and hopefully on the back of last season. I know we've mentioned that the games maybe weren't as good, but even still, at the same time, the crowds were creeping up, weren't they? I mean, you look at what was technically the first game of 2019 after Scarborough, it's not actually on the records no. anymore, but North Ferriby United, the attendance was 219. Fast forward to the last home game of the season, and I know obviously Farsley were Finish up, up there, yeah. but the attendance being exactly double that, it was 438. Yeah. But even in the games preceding that, you were sort of creeping up towards the higher 200s, the early 300s, and I think it's now becoming evident that the club is starting to reconnect yeah. with the community again. Definitely, and just going back to that Farsley game, you know, it was a crowd of 400 plus. But look at it as well; it's not even like because I wouldn't say Farsley bought a lot of fans with them, particularly considering. I think I think there was about 70 or 80. Yeah, but you know, they bought a decent amount. Yeah. But considering it's another Yorkshire club as well, that in terms of what we had last season, it wasn't the longest trip mm. you're gonna have to make. So. You know, but I think there's a lot of credit to the Whitby fans because even if they bought 78, that's still 300 and yeah. 300 odd Whitby fans that are turned up for that yeah. game. Yeah, I think that's all always going to be really positive. And what's good is confirmation that the season tickets will be happening again this year for the uh, juniors around the schools. Obviously, last season the soccer school kicked off. That's going from strength to strength. Another things like the family enclosure is going to be introduced at the um, well as we're sat, us, yeah I mean <laughs> obviously we're on radio so you can't actually see but as we're sat it's the uh, the right hand side block of the uh, of the ground essentially go to the first so, set of steps yeah. onto the stand and you're there so I think I think there's been some really really positive moves made by the club definitely and you know we're we started last season trying to get more kids interested in the football club because has been a problem in the past and you know you can see why we're a lot of 
kids are sort of think, oh well, you know, this is only week by time. Why you support them when you can support you know, Liverpool, for example? Yeah. But getting them involved and you know the the players make the effort as well, which I think adds to it because to them, say if someone comes over and you know just gives you a high five or something like that, for example, that's something that it pretty much makes their day. So things like that to get more kids interested in the football club, it's another positive move. <laughs> Yeah, so on to the uh, final section of the podcast, Extra Time, and it's basically looking ahead to what's coming up. Uh, we've mentioned pre-season, we've spoken about what's happened over the summer, and now it's time for the real action to start. Obviously, Saturday afternoon, Witten Albion visiting the Tobar Express Stadium at the Turnbull Ground for the first game of the Bet Victor Northern Premier season, uh, Liam. And it's one of those where Whitby really need to overturn this uh, this like really poor run against Witten Albion and get off to a really positive start. We do. Um, we saw we saw it similar last season with Grantham where we had a, a terrible record against them. We finally broke that, but I think there's no better time to do that than on the first day of the season. Really, you don't know what to expect from them. I mean, I think at Witten, obviously doing the program, looking at the pen picks, they've had they've had quite a sort of a disruptive summer, if you like, and I've seen there's a lot of players bought in from the likes of Marine team that went down last season so you know they'll have a lot of new names so that perhaps you can try and catch them cold if they're you know still getting used to playing in this new team new system but um you know we saw last season Buxton that was another tough game and we managed to scrape for that one we rode a look a bit yeah. of times because second half we're under a lot of pressure but forget a, a strong performance and I think it's one of those games where you know it's often said about an early goal just to try and, because I think players will be nervous with being the first competitive yeah. game of the season. So if you get that early goal, just try and set you down and mm. hopefully that like, can push them on and try and get a few more. Yeah. I mean, that's the um, that's the big thing, isn't it? Um, and we mentioned, we looked at that last season. You mentioned that game against Buxton. It was an earlyish goal. It was Adam Gell returned to the club. He just signed the day before, I think it was. But um, just sort of getting one into the top corner and that sort of settles everyone's nerves doesn't it when you've got that sort of again it was that bit of quality that the game needed at that point just to open things up a little bit and it certainly opened up for a good game of football it did in the end and um, you know I just I just that was quite a while well basically a year back but yeah. I remember when that goal went in it was you know the, you could just tell by the reaction of the supporters that it was a big goal because it was sort of relief more than anything and you think Borderline of the cheer was like you think oh you've won the league or something because it was it was a big goal to yeah. score in the season just getting off the mark and you're not you know your first goal of the season isn't an equaliser yeah. or whatever you'd rather be the team that scores first mm. um, you know and again something similar wouldn't uh, go down too badly on a yeah Saturday. it's just nice to get the fans on your side as well straight away and get them on your side early because obviously that's the that's the important thing is those players out there for ninety minutes are doing it for. Obviously, they're doing it for themselves and they're doing it for the club, but they're doing it for 300 people inside the stadium, aren't they? So, because they're the ones that are essentially coming through the door to pay to watch them. So, get them on side early and um, just give them a positive, give them that lift, and then obviously through the game, they are going to get behind you and they are going to back you. Um, I'm just reading uh, the back of the Whitby Gazette this week and Chris Hardy's comments there, and as he says, they're chomping at the bit to get going and. I think that's everyone because at this level, in this division in particular, it is such a long pre-season, isn't it? It is certainly, isn't it? And I've been just been waiting almost for the season to kick off again. And you look at it when you've got 
for example, like the Championship, Premier League. Well, they're already on you know, Premier League on to week two, yeah. Championship on to week three. Where we've we're only kicking off on Saturday. Well, it's it's, it's it's a long yeah. wait. You look at you look at that, and the examples around us being. I think one of the Southern Leagues mm. kicked off last week. Obviously, the Conference North Northern kicked off. Underway. The Northern Leagues kicked off as well. So, I mean, for the players out there and the players within the squad, especially in terms of the uh, Conference North and the Northern League, they're seeing their mates kicking a football. They're seeing their mates are playing competitive action. They're thinking, come on, I want a bit of this yeah. now. And, obviously, I think that's got to get them going and get them raring to go. Yeah, well mention uh you know last week looking at the pickery game it's might mention about other looking at the you know mates that play at other clubs well and they're playing competitive it's like well as a player do you think hang on a minute they're playing competitively but i'm just playing here you know in a friendly mm. it's kind of like you just i think this is what pre-season it's something that has to be done yeah. to get back to match fitness but you do I do just want to be yeah. getting straight into the competitive action. It is a long wait because, yeah. you know, we end at the end of April, mm. middle of August before we get going again. Yeah. And I think I think it's pretty fair to say and I think anyone listening will probably agree with this. I don't th- I don't think I know a single person within football that likes pre season. No. As supporters, as players, as staff, as volunteers, nobody likes pre season because it's probably the hardest time of the season. For players, it's getting back to fitness. For management, it's getting your team right. It's getting your systems right and your players right. Obviously, supporters, it's sort of low-tempo matches that you're seeing a lot of trialists come out. You don't exactly know who's who. And for staff and volunteers, it's a case of you getting yourselves ready for your section of the club to be right come that first game of the season, come the 17th of August or whatever day you're starting. So I don't think there's a single person that uh, that enjoys pre-season, but obviously we know it's a necessity, and that's why everyone's probably chomping at the bit to get off to a good start. And obviously the big thing here is, and Chris Hardy again has mentioned this on the back page of this week's week, it sounds like an advert, doesn't it? Yeah. Yes. Um, we haven't been paid to do this, by the way. <laughs> hashtag buy a paper. Um, but no, obviously on the back page, it's um, he's just saying how important it is to get off to a good start. Obviously, which is equally as important, is we want to win on Saturday, and every club wants to win on Saturday because it's the first day. But like he says, that doesn't define your season. It certainly doesn't, but it is. It's in terms of confidence, it is key. And I yeah. think looking at our opening few fixtures, we've got a lot of tough games in there. Yeah. So I think if you know if you can win, you know, looking at it, I think you want to be winning at home to Witten and Morpeth. Then I think Gainsborough books and two more well there aren't any easy games in the league Chris will say yeah. that all the time but games and books and I really are tough really yeah. tough two tough away days so I think if we can you know get I think it's one of those get those both of them you might look at them and think well if we get a draw from these that's probably not a bad result yeah. really but I think you've got to look you know look at the season when we finish six our home form was ultimately key because there were a few times on the road where it wasn't great but at yeah. home we you know we've got the points yeah. and that was also what kept us up there so I think home form's key but you just look at them and as I said you sort of want to be targeting the home games for the for maximum points and then on the road it's kind of you know a draw probably isn't the end of the world especially Gainsborough and Buxton and looking at those Moving on to that Gainsborough game then we'll uh, we'll look at it last season the trip to Gainsborough was certainly it was sort of a bit of Jekyll and Hyde in terms of the games the trip to Gainsborough by all accounts was awful 
but then the home game here, by all accounts, was excellent. I missed both of them, mm. so I can't really <laughs> comment on either. Um, but yeah, I think I think it's important that you look at that game at Gainsborough last season, and I think as much as you don't want to use that as your sort of measure of how far you've come, going to places like that, you you want to see an improvement, don't you? You definitely do, and I think it because obviously at Gainsborough we took the lead early on from from Matthew Tamman, but what I've heard of that, it was sort of completely against the run of play, yeah. and. Sometimes you look at that, I think, well, that goes against us a lot of the time as well. But uh, obviously, they were a team last season that were disappointed yeah. to miss out on the playoffs like they did. Or, well, miss out on promotion yeah. regardless. You know, and it it seemed to be, in a way, that I think after the game here, they had a bad run. Mm. And it was, you know, it was a mad game. Obviously, the goalkeeper, no one knows what's going on there <laughs> with that one. But uh, He just sort of lost his head, didn't he? I think I caught the last 15 minutes of that game. Mm. And I'd heard he'd been booked for his usual antics. It was John Stewart. Um, anyone listening as a Whitby fan or as just a general Northern Premier League no, listener Mark. knows exactly what John Stewart yeah. is like. He is the biggest pain going in this division. I don't care what anyone says. He's he's an absolute nightmare. Funnily enough, he's linked up with Steve Kittrick at Matlock, and um, we, you know, we that could, could be an interesting game. I yeah, think I think I think it certainly could be, and I think that's an interesting uh, mix of characters there between Steve Kittrick and John Stewart. But yeah, I, I seem to remember he'd been booked earlier in the game. I'd been told he'd been that booked. That was with um, the score from the indirect free kick, yeah. which he gave away. So. Yeah, so he was booked <laughs> for that, and then about ten minutes to go, he just came out and made an absolute calamity outside his penalty. I think he was just time wasting outside yeah, his I think area. He was like kicking even though the losing yeah. one nil, you don't do it. And that. The referee obviously came over, gave him a second yellow, and he was he was sent back to the dressing room. And you just look at it and you think, what are you doing? What's the point in doing that? I mean, luckily we don't have to actually deal with that this year. Um, but I mean, what's interesting is player manager there is probably, in my opinion, one of the better centre forwards in the division, Ross Hanna. And I'm going to be interested to see how that works and see if he'll be playing on uh, Tuesday night. Yeah, definitely. It, it, it is a tough game, we know that, because obviously they, they came down to the division last season and they're a team that over the years you probably associate with being one of the, the better non-league sides in the country, so we can always expect a tough game going there. But um, Whitby has shown before that you know we can we can compete. You look at last season, for example, I know obviously there's a lot of games where they come against teams that once upon a time were up in the you know National League or mm. Conference, whatever you want to refer to as but then look at like so Staley Bridge another team like that and you I think you'd said before that you never seen Whitby win there well we finally managed to yeah. to do that last season they're another one of those teams that you think they're one of the big teams in non-league yeah. football if you're like looking at the setup and you know the history there's a lot of big teams here but it's almost like now they're at the same level you've got to try and take your chance and mm get three points and at the end of the day all the teams in this league are in here on merit really Yeah. even the teams at the bottom you can't ever say that at the beginning of the season you don't ever look at a team and think right they're going to go down it's no. one of those leagues you just you can't judge it until it gets going really no certainly not so we'll just uh, we'll just sort of wrap things up a little bit here and go a little bit more general on the Bet Victor Northern Premier this season um, looking ahead to the season then Liam and you look at the sides in there you mentioned there are some big sides and sides there are merit. But we'll look obviously at the top. Who who are you looking at for sort of that top spot and the playoffs? It's a tough call. Yeah. Um I don't know, there's a lot of teams to look at and you think, 
have you know how can they get it right? I mean, obviously FC United and Manchester, they're a team that you'd expect to be up the right end of the table. Obviously they had a bit they had a shocker last season, <laughs> one home win all season, yeah. but it's just how you look at obviously I know North Ferriby they it was the club was in a mess as it was, but you know, a team that came down that would didn't actually get to get relegated in the end because they went under mid season. It's just one of those leagues that's really hard yeah. to judge. I mean, in terms of recruitment, it's hard to judge because it is a lot of it. This level, you know, in terms of travelling, a lot of it's regional in terms of the transfers you bring in. But uh, I mean, we're trying to predict the top of the table later. The best. I we just, can. I just think sort of the the top five and try and look for a winner. Yeah, um, um, I mean, I think I think games mentioned games. I think they yeah. have to be in there. Uh, I'm trying to think who else we've got really. I think, Buxton I think often up there. Yeah, Buxton are uh, the they, uh, tend to play some half decent football. Buxton, so I think I think there'll be a side that's, that's around there. For me, I mean, I'm looking at it and I'm not seeing beyond South Shields yeah. winning the division. South I mean, Shields, uh, you I mean, look Morpeth at people don't like yeah, off. yeah, Morpeth will possibly be up there, but I think South Shields now they've made that switch to four days a week training. They'll be up there. Yeah. That's going to be a big switch for them. I think for them, it's om- it's almost like if they don't go up, then it it's been a disastrous campaign, pretty much. It, you know, it's very much that sort of feeling now, isn't it? And you know, there were teams that they've been they were close last season, just fell off at the end in the the end of the season. I mean, another team I mentioned as well, Warrington. They're always yeah. up there every yeah. season. And I think that was uh, if you listen back to the first episode of Extra Time, which was uh, the back in the last season, we did a pilot, which is. On the iTunes stream, on the Spotify stream, etc. Um, they were a team that we picked out because when they had the FA Cup run a couple of seasons ago, they invested that money well. They didn't throw it all away. They sort of built everything up, and I think they've built it up to a point now where they are ready as a footballing side to make that next yeah. step up to the next level. Club-wise, the ground. I mean, I've seen will, the will that pass? Will that pass the uh, the grading? I think it'll scrape through. I don't think it'll be. Uh, I don't think it'll be an easy job to get no, it through. I, mean, I have seen plans in the future but that they. The yeah, looking to, looking to move pro- ground. They've got a project, haven't yeah. they? It's they are looking to move ground. I think that's a wise Another move. Another team as well, not to write off Nantwich. Again, the sort of teams that every season you think, oh, they're going to be up there, but it is, as I say, it's a hard yeah. thing to do because you look at team looking at Grantham, for example. A few few seasons ago, they were. They're a really dangerous team and in the playoffs, and then last season, for every reason, it just didn't quite work. No, That's still lost um, it's just a hard, it's a hard lead to judge. Interestingly, I mean, there was a thread on the MPL group, and there weren't many picking Nantwich out, and normally there would be. So, I mean, I think we'll obviously keep an eye on that one. Nantwich are a very, uh, very hit and miss side for us. Um, I with the MPL, it's just hard to track recruitment yeah. a lot of the time. You know, there's that many players. Incomings, outgoings, all just interchanging, aren't they? That's yeah. the thing. But um, yeah, looking at looking I'd like at to other, think we could yeah, sneak fingers in crossed. There. I mean, looking at other options, we mentioned FC United. Obviously, they've got that massive fan base. They're gonna be, they're gonna be well supported. Whatever happens, they're gonna be getting over a thousand people at home. South Shields are gonna be getting fifteen hundred, two thousand. Uh, FC United are bringing a lot away with them as well. Yeah, they that do. Last yeah. season, another one once at home, but they had the away record wasn't bad. It was the home form that yeah. massively let them down. That's what they've come down again. I think of the sides coming down, the ones that are going to be the ones to watch, and they always seem to do well, and they seem to 
keep going on crowds of, of like 150 Ashton United. Yeah. Always a very good side at a this bit level. Of, they've so been a bit of a yo-yo club, haven't yeah. they, really, the last few seasons? I think they're probably going to be in and, in and around that sort of playoff mix and probably maybe even edging towards a title battle. I don't think they will go on and win the title. No. But I think they might they might just push a couple of clubs close. The title it, it sounds shielders to lose, isn't it? Really. I mean, in we said this last season, didn't yeah. we? Um, and and the they th- ended up going out, funnily enough, to Warrington in the playoffs. Um, so I don't I don't think you can take anything for granted this level of football. I think we know that you can't. But yeah, I would say South Shields have to be the favourites. Uh, Warrington have to be up there. FC United probably will be up there. They've got a decent manager. They've recruited well. Looking at what they've brought in, so we'll see what happens there. And um, in, another one actually, that I mentioned. Uh, well, again, it's hard to judge on recruitment. A team that caused us a few problems last season, but Hyde United as yeah. well. They're a team yeah, that, possibly, yeah. And I think that Manchester right, look at it. Mentioned there's three clubs that were mentioned there, and they've you know it's, it seems to be a bit of a catchment yeah. catchment area almost for getting some good players coming yeah. through. I think I think it depends on where the recruitment comes from, mm. doesn't it? Because some will go, some will go north, some will go. Towards Liverpool, where it's really difficult to tell where each club's going to make that recruitment. But uh, yeah, we'll certainly see. Well, I think we'll wrap things up there for this episode of the Codcast Extra Time. Of course, um, if you're looking around the Facebook page, the Twitter page, have a look out for Alex White's teammates video <laughs> on there. He's uh, ripped into one or two of the lads in the first team. Keep an eye out on Twitter tomorrow evening or this evening, depending on when you're listening to it. Or even yesterday, you'll have missed it. Um, the playlist for, for the first game of the season against Witten Albion at the Tobar Express Stadium. Uh, Shane Bland choosing the 20 tracks for that one. So we'll, uh, we'll see what he pulls <laughs> out of the bag. He's got a really mixed a dread. mixed taste to Shane Bland. So I'm going to look forward to actually seeing which songs he pulls out of the bag there for us. Um, of course, we'll be back with live commentary on Yorkshire Coast Radio Extra. Myself, Liam, producer Lee will be joining us as well, so we'll uh, hopefully have Callum Patton as well. I think he's going to be at the game yeah, on Saturday, so we'll uh, hopefully have Callum on too and see what uh, see what comes of that one. Of course, you'll have full match highlights every home game at request of the league. Yep, um, <laughs> at request, well, at demand of the league. Yes, well, yeah, we're, uh, we are required to film home games, so you'll have highlights from every single one this season just so just says bear with us yeah. we'll get around <laughs> yeah we're working we're working on everything it's also a work in progress but we are looking to bring you more ways of covering the seasiders this season more ways to keep in touch with what's going on more behind the behind the scenes action as well so keep an eye out for all of that we'll have a podcast after the Whitney Albion game and after the Buxton game so keep an eye out for all the uh, latest reaction the verdict from those ones and uh, yeah I think that's all that remains to be said, we'll be back next week yep. with another extra time. We'll hopefully have more of us sat around the <laughs> table crossed. as well. Um, but yeah, for now, thank you very much for listening. Thank you very much to Liam for joining me. And we shall see you on Sunday with the latest from the Tobar Express Stadium at the Turnbull Ground. <laughs> <laughs>